Hey everyone, it's Tom here, Alpha Talica, back with a brand new episode, a non-compilation episode of the show. And today, you know, as I always like to, we're getting a little meta. You know, we are a podcast, discussing a podcast, perhaps the podcast, really, probably in terms of downloads. And, you know, when you consider the reach, the audience, the length of episodes that people engage with, of the man Joe Rogan, we're talking about the Joe Rogan experience and, you know, I have always wanted to kind of just wax lyrical on Rogan to a certain extent. And I'm sure I'm going to pepper this whole conversation with, uh, you know, long discursive anecdotes because, you know, I'm one of these guys, really, I guess it was, you know, born in the early 90s, kind of kept, when I was at uni, I was listening to Rogan and, you know, I just have a lot of memories sort of attached to that stuff. And, you know, I remember... I used to work at the University of Liverpool when I was a student there, and they had this thing at the front of the store, this kiosk, this small little kind of stand where we sold newspapers and coffees and stuff. And before I had an actual speaker, I used to burn episodes of Joe Rogan on, on CD and sort of change every 70 minutes or so to get through them. And uh, I remember some kid came by once and listened to them when I was off shift having a break, and he was, like, mortified by what he was hearing. I think Brian Callum was on it or something like that. But, uh, yeah, why am I mentioning Rogan? Well, James Hetfield was actually on Rogan. I'm, I'm sure you're aware of that. He's the only member of Metallica to go on there so far, even though Ulrich has a podcast. But yeah, we're going to get all to that. So today, yeah, we, you know, rewatch the episode. Myself and the guest have rewatched it. We're just going to talk about Rogan. We're going to recount what they spoke about. Maybe, you know, it might be good to pause the podcast here and go back and listen and then listen to this after. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so it's not just myself all the way from San Jose. Mark, how's it going? Hey, it's going really well. Uh, I'm really glad to be here. And it's nice to be. I'm now a veteran of your podcast being yeah. on here a second time. Yeah, yeah. Judas Kiss, right? That's correct. Judas Kiss. What was that? Like 50 odd, 60 odd? I hadn't checked that. Maybe a little later. You, yeah, I think it was around 50, 57, 58, uh, 8th episode. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just before we get to the day's subject, as always, you can follow us at Metallica Pod. Get in touch with me, MetallicaPod.com. Sorry. MetallicaPod at gmail.com if you want to come on the show and you want to discuss any topics i'm always working on things like you know if you support us over on the patreon all the episodes like this go on there first the recent jason newstead history which i know you just checked out before and that's been on the channel and um you know working towards other episodes i'm going to do a review of metallica at glastonbury which interestingly hetfield mentions uh towards the end of this chat that i forgot about and i'm going to include that definitely uh, in my altogether review and notes and the short film he spends a little bit of time on but um yeah again if you enjoy the show you can review us on itunes and uh, subscribe like you can subscribe to Rogan, of course. And, um, you know, Mark, you know, I, I'm kind of the fanatic here. I know you're maybe a bit more of a passive Rogan fan. Is that fair to say? That's right. I've always found him uh, hit or miss. I know he has one of I'm, – I'm clearly in the minority here because um, he has one of the most popular podcasts, yeah, you know, yeah. in America. And, I don't and worship him. I, I, yeah, I should say. I'm not like this kind of, like, disciple of Rogan or something. Like, I get his flaws, like. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I do listen to, uh, quite a few podcasts and, um, I just, I find the, uh, the platform or the, the, the method just so much more interesting than what I grew up with. First of all, it's very cute that you're a child of the early nineties, right? Uh, (laughs) Um, young, young lad you are. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what I grew up with and when you talk about celebrities, it's, it's the late night shows where it's a tight six minutes, mm. you know, two stories and a plug. Oh, yeah. Or you're listening on terrestrial radio and you have, you know, 20 minute uh, or you have uh, just a few minute segments, you know, um, interspersed with, you know, weather and traffic um, and long, long breaks, you know, every five minutes. And so to, to be on a podcast where Joe or others, you know, can talk for you know, two, three hours at a time and really mm. dig down into someone's, uh, you know, a variety of interests. Um, it can be, you know, hit or miss, but I just find it so much more revealing and interesting to totally. uh, learn about these people. Totally. And, you know, that's a common topic, actually, on Rogan, on podcasts in general, that, like, they just kind of, you know, bork looking back. Like, I, I love Conan and David Letterman and stuff like that. But you're right. It is just like six, ten minutes. It's like on this episode, for example, 
Hetfield goes at length on bees. He could never do a bee <laughs> segment on Fallon. They would never have him on to just talk about that. He'd have to talk about Metallica, but here he doesn't really do that. And yeah, it just makes everything look so ancient, doesn't it? Like, you know, it's all cut up into YouTube clips now. And it's just kind of almost, almost is podcastified, the kind of late night format. Like, it's, I think it's just kind of been, you know, eaten alive. And yeah, I do like that. And you know, again, like, you know, I know Rogan especially is such a hot-button topic. He's always inspiring some sort of alt-right insurrection whilst also <laughs> preaching peace. and Like, all this stuff kind of blends together. And I don't necessarily watch all the episodes because there are so many episodes, an incredible amount, like really kind of that athlete stamina mentality that he has in the gymnasium. He brings, him and Jamie bring, uh, you know, to the upload there. And, um, I mean, seeing Hetfield on Rogan, like, do you remember that? Like, like, you know, it was it was live stream. I remember it just kind of fucking happened. And I, I kind of couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it. I mean, I do a Metallica podcast, you know. So when I saw this, this combination of worlds, it was just crazy. Yeah, it was really, you know, I actually didn't know that he was on until uh, hearing about it much later. And I went back, you know, dug through the archives and, and found it. And I just, you know, listened intently all the way through just, again, about the bees, about about recovery, which is um, now in the context, uh, you know, a couple of years later after he, you know, kind of uh, fell back again. Um, it's really interesting to listen to it in that context again and to just hear him talk about life and his experiences. You know, it's so much more different than what's it, you know, tell me about the songs on the new album yeah. or what's it like working, you know, with, um, you know, with Greg Fiddleman. What's it like, you know, working with Lars all these years? Mm -hmm. It's just so much different that you learn about you know him as an as an individual yeah and yeah metallica is kind of its own press office to a certain extent like they do all these videos explaining the lyrics and showing you the studio and it's just kind of like you know it's it's otos really to just keep doing that and plowing that furrow and showing the clip and whatever and you know that is what i like about this and um you know seeing him on here uh you know seeing that it was like a two-hour episode as well because as a fan of rogan often when he has these big big guests like robert downey jr and you know jamie fox and bernie sanders you know to name a few they're pretty much a tight hour and this, you know, is almost a generous two. Like, you know, Rogan admits at the end that they've sort of slightly gone off. And, um, you know, before we get into the minutiae going through it, like, fair to say on the whole, I think this is, you know, this is one of the definitive Hetfield interviews. It is a, a delight. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if I may go back, I, I did look at the uh, Metallica timeline. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to put into context, you know, you know what they were doing and what they were up to. I mean, the the episode. If I'm not stepping on your toes, no, no, um, please. Yeah. So the episode was recorded and probably released on uh, December 16th of yes. 16. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was right after. So Hard Hardwired was just released on November months. 18th. Yeah, that's month. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. a couple days earlier, as I go through uh, Metallica.com, uh, a couple days earlier on 12:14, they're on Jimmy Kimmel. And then on the 15th, so the day before, they're at the uh, – uh, did a benefit show for the L.A. Regional Food Bank. So clearly they're in town. He did the uh, Joe Rogan show on the 16th. Mm -hmm. And then on the 17th, they came up to Oakland and did another benefit show at the Fox Theater. Now, uh, again, he doesn't go into um, the All Within My Hands Foundation. He doesn't need to plug, you know, anything certain. He was just, you know, right from the beginning, I felt that he sounded, you know, relaxed yeah. and chilled out he wasn't hurried he didn't have an agenda it was really it was really refreshing from the start yeah it really was and you know i have heard you know it's, and it's rare to see hetfield in the podcast environment you know it's rare to see most of these giant like hetfield's had tons of rock stars you know like members of kiss and even like bands that he loves that my generation kind of forgot like he had the guitar player from like great white and stuff and he was like nerding <laughs> out and i'm like i kind of know who these are but uh but but yeah no that was that was a good one as well he's had loads of hip hop you know he's had Elon Musk and everyone on there but i had yeah. heard Hetfield before he was on a podcast that i don't really like and haven't really listened to i only checked out cuz Hetfield and Kirk was with him actually and i think this was before hardwired maybe it was like 2015 or something like that uh, the nerdist podcast i don't know if you're familiar um chris hardwick he's kind of this media personality he does like talking right. and stuff like that but the show in tone it's interesting because the show in tone very goofy very improv not not like rogan really not you know rogan's a comic but 
like most Rogan fans, I don't find Rogan funny in the slightest. I actually think his stand-up's kind of horrible. But I still, you know, just kind of respect him as a as a broadcaster and you know, you know, as a legend in that right. But um, but uh, yeah, no, um, it was cool to see that, and it was just kind of um, you know, Hetfield clearly respects Rogan, I suppose. You know, they they, they got on like men, they got on well. The show opens, I think, with Hetfield saying like, "Oh, Goose, he's like like Moose are massive or something like that." Like it's just kind of like you catch him mid break. Uh, you know, it was it was cool to see him on here. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you're absolutely right that they seem to get along well and they could just be two. They're two, you know, alpha dogs for sure. Um, just talking about uh, their their trade and their interests. And, you know, again, I, I could see that Rogan had a few points that he wanted to get to. Um, yes. You know, he wanted to talk about Napster. He wanted to talk about um, recovery you know, and a few other things, but otherwise, you know, they could just kind of let it go. Loose, yeah. I mean, it begins not not in a bad way, but kind of you know formulaic, and they're speaking about you know Metallica and their their perseverance, and you know Joe is just a real kind of puts people at ease. He's a great interviewer, and transitioning into quite a deep question that you know James elaborates on the idea of kind of being hungry and then being super successful and transitioning into that and you know, having stupid wealth and how can you remain super competitive? And, you know, James is very at home exploring this topic. Yeah, he is. Um, it's clear. I, you know, I was, I just find it so interesting that they can, um, that they can still find that hunger and they can find, you know, uh, just sort of that additional push after all these years, um, you know, he talked about still wanting to find the ultimate riff and find the ultimate lyric that connects with people. Um, and I also found it interesting that they that he mentioned, you know, someone like Aerosmith, who, you know, when someone else starts writing your songs for you, um, you, you know, maybe that's a sign that um, you've kind of lost your your will to, you know, to sort of push your trade forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we know how much Aerosmith means to these guys. Like, I will continually hawk back to the front, the coffee table companion to the Master of Puppets era. And there's an amazing photo of uh, Steven Tyler and James Hetfield. I think it's backstage at, like, Donington or something like that. And, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, and James speaks again, talking about how music has this power to transform. And he kind of speaks in grand metaphors. Like, he tells a story that I'm sure didn't happen, but I know what he's going for. He's like, yeah, I looked in the crowd. And there was this guy with his suit and tie and his briefcase. It's like, what? surely he put a Metallica shirt on beforehand. Like, Well, it, it's funny because I, I certainly don't, you know, myself, I don't present as a as someone sure. who would you would think uh, listens to Metallica. I'm pretty straightforward pretty much a dork and um so i'm kind of one of those folks although i'm not i'm not taking off a tie as i uh, walk into uh the chase center or shoreline amphitheater or somewhere uh, before a show but james really isn't pulling no punches as they go through it you know which I, which i really liked he's very candid speaking about being in vale where do yeah. where do you live these days i live in vale colorado oh no shit man yeah. wow that's kind of cool is very cool. It's quiet, no friggin' traffic, uh, and especially now, super quiet. Snow, uh, snow does does something to calm you down a little bit. I, I agree with that. I remember when I was a kid in Boston, there was those days when it would just snow hard. You'd go outside and you, you experience quiet like you never heard it before. Right. It's, it's like awesome. everything gets filtered by that snow. Mm -hmm. Well, I like you know. There's a there's a there's a lone wolf part of me that I. I maybe you can relate to, but I like being by myself. Uh, but I also like I need people to to connect with as well. But when I get out, uh, you know, living in Vail, moving from California to Colorado was a was a great thing for me. I, I feel really, oh, I feel a part of nature there. Um, and you don't want to be inside there. There's something about it. You just want to be outside all the time. What's well, so beautiful? Talk to me about Vail. Like I don't, I have no experience of the place. Have you, have you been there in Colorado in general? Like it's a very beautiful town, right? Yeah, it is beautiful, and it's uh, it, you know Vail, uh, Aspen, Telluride. All of those places are you know resorts. Uh, they're in Colorado or Utah, mm -hmm. uh, kind of you know in the Rocky Mountains. 
Um, as they say, it's the best snow in the world. Yeah, um, the goal it, range is place. there, I think. Yeah, the, from the cause can, yeah. which James says as well. Yeah, it, you know, and it's, um, you know, it, it is sort of that, you know, American kind of frontier sort of that you would see, like a John Wayne mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. Uh, with more snow. Um, and so that, you know, in that part of the country, you know, politically and and uh, sort of a, with the with the attitude of like it's a little more in the middle, you know, they're accepting of uh, hunting and kind of those um, just kind of that frontier mentality a little bit, as as James mentioned, and it's a lot different than you know I can imagine than when he was living in you know in Marin County, um, you know, as a Bay Area resident, lived here all my life. So if you think of um, so Marin County, for those uh, who want to. A, a quick geography lesson mm-hmm. like if you hold out your right hand and you have the bay area and san francisco is kind of at the tip of your thumb if you take the golden gate bridge across um you know across uh, uh outward off your thumb and then you get you know to the land on the other side that's marin county okay. and it's extremely liberal and it's also extremely wealthy and i think it's kind of uh, unusual in the sense that uh you know both of those things are happening concurrently and so there is I can certainly understand how he might be troubled with some of the the politics or the attitudes about, you know, some of the some of the residents. I mean, I enjoy it there and I and I've been there recently and it's and it's, you know, certainly lovely. But, you know, living there, um, you know, with his background, um, he didn't come from money, obviously. And, uh, you know, he grew nope. up in, in Downey, Downey California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is um, you I know, need to go to Downey. I need to make the pilgrimage there. I don't know why, but I just <laughs> want to follow there's, young James's footsteps. As they would say, there's not a lot of there there in no, Downey. There must be a plaque about Hetfield, surely, like the high school or something. Maybe, but uh, <laughs> I don't think there's anything like the Metella Mansion or no. um, <laughs> this is the water know, fountain so- where young James slurped. <laughs> But so, yeah, he mentions the elitist attitude of, of Marin as well. And for, um, so James also says, like, almost like he, he always speaks in hardwired lyrics. <laughs> He's like, talks about being able to start fights in, with himself in his own head, which is very, you know, very profound. Right, right. And I also get that uh, death magnetic vibe a little bit where the kind of the polarity of. Um, oh, yeah. Um, you know, how he can have those, uh, you know, arguments with himself uh, in his head and, and sort of the. Um, you know, sort of the the discord, uh, sort of uh, within himself. We get into the B chat uh, of around fifteen minutes. Probably the most famous thing from this episode, I would say. Certainly in the comments, it's celebrated. And if you if you were just just you know Rorschach, Rogan, Hetfield, you'd say a B. You'd probably talk about the B chat here. And it's so Rogan, as someone who you know has watched the show for so long, like he does a lot of MMA shows, which. You know, I'm not really a fan of yeah, him, yeah. but he's a he's a big commentator. But the, you know, often it's like, oh, the fight starts, the fight talk starts 50 minutes in, you know. And to be fair, they are waiting for the fights as well. But if he just has someone on, you know, he'll just go down these roads. And you know, it's not even that Rogan's not interested in Metallica. He's just it's the Joe Rogan experience. They're just talking about you know what they want to talk about. And Hetfield's going deep on bees, teaching, but not in a didactic way, not even in a fatherly popper head way. He's just, he's just talking about this thing and you can see that it excites him as much as any old hot rod. Yeah. That's what's really interesting in that, you know, you might, you know, someone who's, uh, you know, a metal musician, you might expect them to be interested in hot rods and cars like James, like James is, uh, interested in, oh, yeah. but then you Reclaimed get into something rust. like, like something like, now he's into bees. Now that's something that where you're just not going to get that anywhere else. And and it's only, you know, I don't even know how 20 years ago, how that story would ever come out. Cause there isn't yeah. any method. Do by a which, so what you know, cover of that, tell that like, story. So I, no. again, with the Joe Rogan podcast and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of this platform and uh, we're bottling it up. My kids are filtering it. We're, you know, bottling it up and it's dude it's just straight from the hive into a bottle i mean after you've filtered it and it it really helps with allergies it helps with uh you know the uh, whatever getting the pollens and the and the nectars from the area so when you take that in and it helps build your immune system yeah i've heard that so you've experienced that personally absolutely and wow. i think being stung by bees helps you too it helps with with something getting your immune system built up to the... It's supposed to be really good for arthritis. 
they they take people like literally take bees people that are that have uh, like serious arthritis in their hands and they sting their hands with it on purpose right yeah. i think there's some people that do it for their lips here in la ah. <laughs> <laughs> we get so much info both of him you know it's 17 minutes that that hetfield uh has this wonderful uh well you know him and rogan exchange rogan slowly gets more into the idea of being i think it's apiary apiarist something like that you know beekeeping and uh 500 pounds of honey james <laughs> james often harvests and the kids that, filter it down and you know it gets stung by bees as well they talk about arthritis right. and oh man it's a variety of uh, health benefits mm-hmm. and the um you know it brings up your uh your immunity he's uh you know where you're gonna winter your bees because clearly veil is too cold in the in the winter which i can imagine yeah so you know all things you know the the intersection of metal and bees that i mean that's it that's, that's uh it. yeah that is ground that zero is yeah. yeah yeah i mean J- yeah james talks about because being sustainable plays into the very hetfielding idea of being able to disappear and you know just to get lost in the wilderness and he speaks about his ranch with the bees and you know quad bikes and welding and you know he he, he loves it it's a real escape for him and, uh, you know, as much as we idolize this guy in this one facet of his life as, you know, probably the de facto metal guy out here, like, you know, absolute beast. But he just has so many layers and they just get peeled away before. And he's able to be very, you know, he's able to divulge later on, you know, many things like file sharing, etc. But but I, I, I love wilderness hat. <laughs> I kind of like that archetype. Yeah, well, I can I can imagine, too. And I know we touched on this uh you know, at a part in, in the interview is, mm. yeah, when you're playing in front of people and you're around people, you know, so often and they all they all want a little piece of you, um, you know, to get out into the snow, as he said, this, you know, the weather, the snow doesn't care who you are. If you're not careful, you know, it'll kill you. Mm. And just to, to be out there, not have anyone trying to uh to to shake his hand or anything like that um it it must be nice to just again decompress and be out in nature because clearly he loves it he does and you know he talks about his journey altogether um you know going forward releasing new music i mean the gap between because you know life itself is expanding seeing his kids grow up you know everyone having different lives and kids but they all can't live without metallica you know four married guys that know more than anyone knows about each other and uh, you know, he speaks about knowing Lars, probably other than family, the person that he's known the most, and uh, you know that is a wonderful partnership. But um, for the most part, overall, spoiler alert, not much Metallica chat. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but surprisingly so, I'd say about fifteen percent, twenty, something like that. Not much. Yeah, and which is fine because mm-hmm. there are plenty of avenues in which you can get, you know, your Metallica you know, discussion and you can talk about lyrics and you can talk about shows and you can talk about set lists, etc. Um, but then, you know, to get deeper into the individual, talking about bees, talking about going yep. out into yep. uh the in, into Russia and, and and hunting bears, you know, on military copters. Mm-hmm. That's you know, that's really interesting stuff that again, you're not gonna get anywhere else. No, and uh Lemmy gets brought up as well and Hetfield mm. comparing himself to the person early on that he sees in the crowd, you know, he's that person looking at Lemmy and you know, Lemmy had died recently at the point of this being recorded. Uh, certainly wouldn't be Metallica without Motorhead, James says. I mean, it cannot be taken for granted, can it, the influence of that band? For sure. Um, and Motorhead, uh, you know, clearly, and the new wave of British heavy metal um, was so influential for those guys. And, you know, they've really sort of stuck to that metal ethos um you know, through their entire career, a little bit of experimentation here and there to some people's uh, chagrin, mm-hmm. uh, as I understand. But, um, uh, you know, it's just remained their influence uh, for, you know, for the entire time. A lot of times you'll see bands, they'll, you know, go totally different, have have different interests, maybe go country, you know, after um, oh, yeah. after years and years to try something completely different. But, but um, you know, Lemmy remains, geez, and he was around forever. Uh, Lemmy remains, uh, you know, influential to this day. Yeah, uncompromising. And, you know, Joe does have this tendency. Um, I've certainly seen it on the show with Theo Vaughn, 
who um, is a comedian from Louisiana. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's he's pretty on the come up right now. Really funny dude, but a little bit esoteric, a little bit abstract. And Hetfield just didn't quite get it. And he does have this tendency as well of just sort of trampling on punchlines a little bit. So Hetfield tells actually a really funny story after the Motorhead thing. A quick little one about him and Lars meeting through the ads in the magazines. And how he would just always go to H to look for heavy metal at the back. And there'd only be two ads, so he was like, well, we should meet, and it was him and Lars. But Hevel just sort of pushes through, like you say, something he wants to mention, something that any podcast host rightly wants to get into, because you always get good copy. Uh, Just recently, Kirk Hammett, I might have to cover that on the show as well, Kirk Hammett was on Dean Delray's podcast, Let There Be Talk, which is a podcast that I adore. Very similar format to Rogan, Rogan, but more kind of stand-up rock and roll stuff. But he does do other stuff as well. And he asked about Napster, and Kirk felt that they didn't, really make an impact at all which i kind of disagree with but uh rogan brings up naps to here rogan's interested right yeah and i found it kind of interesting that they that he went to that because you know at the time of the interview you know that story was kind of 16 years old and i felt that it's kind of been uh you know that that uh that information has been sort of trod upon you know quite a bit um, it was revealing, though, what he said about it, that, you know, other musicians were uh, supportive of what they were doing mm. and, you know, but they couldn't go public about it because of their, you know, because of what they felt was their relationship with their fans or what their, you know, posture was um, publicly. I think we can all agree that, you know, Metallica and Lars were on the, you know, they're kind of on the right side of history uh, when you look when you look back at totally. it. Absolutely, yeah, and it's just, it's, you know, I was one of those kids, definitely, um, you know, I was very young at this time, and just kind of indiscriminately going on LimeWire and <laughs> Carfe DM Baby, like, not the song, but that attitude, certainly, uh, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, he's, ultimately, the argument is, you don't get to choose how to distribute our music that we own, or, you know, but that, that was the point, wasn't it, it just yeah, you know, stole yeah, from everyone. Yeah, that's exactly right. It was like I mean, snow. It was like snow in the veil. Like it's just, it's going to affect us all. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, the way he explained it is is perfect. And a lot of times, you don't think of musicians or artists as professionals, and you think that they put their artwork out there or they put their songs out there, and it's just for for everyone to have. You know, whereas you know, you didn't pay. You, you know, when I was younger, you didn't obviously you didn't pay for uh, terrestrial radio and you just hear the song. So maybe, you know, our attitude was, well, if I can, you know, I listen to it for free on the radio. Why don't I just pull it from, um, you know, from, from Napster or, or, or uh, Kazaa, which is the, the one I think I oh, used. Yep. yep. Kazaa was And, uh, you know, you just have it for free there, but you know, it makes sense. And it, it certainly makes sense now that, you know, you pay for everything digitally now, um, whether it's subscriptions or, you know, outright purchases. So, mm-hmm. It makes sense now, but, um, you know, it was difficult for, I think, uh, the general public to kind of conceptualize, you know, paying for something that you listen to online or that, you know, you've heard, um, you know, in the past through the radio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of adverts, uh, kind of anti-copyright adverts that were on a lot of DVDs in the UK that Stephen Fry actually mentioned, where it's like, you wouldn't download a car or you wouldn't download a handbag or something, which <laughs> kind of didn't quite get it. But Hetfield speaks about, you know, getting the rights to their catalogue and, you know, the master yeah. recordings and, um, you know, his kids not even understanding why they didn't have it and you know, him wanting to celebrate and you know, kind of being a little bit beyond them before they understood it. And what I like is, you know, there's this kind of weird meme, isn't it? Okay, Boomer. But here I'll say, okay, Boomer, positively, because, you know, this is something guys of a certain age speak to, and I, and I love hearing about it. Um, you know, being young and vinyl and the ritualization, and obviously I can't really experience that, but I can certainly imagine it. And, you know, James is just eyes agog, as if he's on the bees again, you know, just like cleaning it and setting the needle down and... Him and his high school buddies hung out recently and they listened to a Kansas album. And I was like, yes. That's right. And Joe did his uh, Carry On My Wayward Son son, uh, (laughs) uh, impression. And it's funny that he talks about sort of the tactile and the the visual part of buying an album. Because, you know, when I bought And Justice For All, which is the first Metallica album, you know, I bought, you know, part of it was actually the cassette. Um, you know, you open it up and Metallica was particularly good at this. And they might have been the best of all the bands that I listened to at the time. You know, you open up that cassette 
and you have there's a 16 page foldout which has all of their lyrics. It has you know their pictures on it. Um, you know uh, the hammer of justice crushes you uh, with the four with the four faces, and they're always really good at that. And so it's that full experience of you know listening to the music. There's um, you know all the again the lyrics, the pictures. You know, and I would sit. You know, which what what, what people don't do now is, you know, I would sit there in my room, listen to the music, and I would read along the lyrics, um, you know, just on an afternoon after school uh, doing that. And so, you know, again, that that experience of, you know, something more than just the music and, and the other things that surround it, um, you know, is important to them. And they can and now they have the uh, the method to do it. They're talking about owning their own uh, vinyl vinyl press and they can, yeah. you know. That kind of that kind of thing, which really gives them a, a whole lot more control over, you know, how they want to present themselves and their, you know, and their art. Yeah, I love hearing about it. James saying as well in terms of that iconography, you know, him picking out album covers based on just what they look like and how he discovered loads of stuff. Though, and that's what his kids would do at Urban Outfitters, which is where they got vinyl. Which again, the idea of just pop a heck of his kids and just oh, buy these records, whatever. Like, and uh, you know, them going in and you know, it's kind of. It's such a romantic ideal that he's talking about here because the way I discover music, if I like a band, I go on Spotify and I look at related artists to that band. It's like such a drab way of doing it. Like it doesn't have any of the romance or the escapism, but you know, it's the same music at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, he just kind of, um, just waxes lyrical a little bit on this. Well, like releasing an album. Mm -hmm. Here's how we'd like to release it. Right. We don't want it leaked over here. We don't want this happening. We don't, right. you know. A present a presentation is part of the art. Like when you walk into an art studio, the artist has been in there putting it together. Like, okay, I want you to see this first and then that. And then you go here and you get bam, you know, that there's a passion behind that. And when someone just throws it out there <laughs> and, yeah. and it's just, it kind of loses, uh, loses an impact. Um, so, if I'm complaining, punch me in the face. <laughs> but we have survived and we feel good about it and we've adapted. But the record company certainly did not. You no, know? they took a, a hard hit. No. But also, you know, when you look at the record deals, the deals that record companies make with artists, and you see, like, what, what are record companies selling? Well, they're only selling your work without your work, without your creativity, without your creations. There's nothing to sell. That's all they sell. They talk a little bit again about lip syncing and uh, Hetfield taking his kids again to concerts and seeing a lot of people do it. Like, I wonder who he's been to see. Like, I'd love to hear his reviews on bands. Yeah, that'd be interesting. And I know that um, he he talks about, you know, um, there's dance, there, you know, there's dancing, and there's choreography in the mm -hmm. song, and it's well, they're playing tracks because, you know, the, the it's like the Taylor Swift or something. Like, it must be something like that. Yeah, we see the you know performer. Mm -hmm. You know, there's clearly tracks, and it's because well, you know, the explanation is because well, the performer is out of breath after doing all of uh, I guess his or her choreography, yep. and it's like well, don't dance, play. You know, uh, mm -hmm. which is uh, you know, which is something that's you know anathema to you know when you're metal because you know there's a certain amount of authenticity there. But I think you know in other genres of music, it's you know there's more of a uh, emphasis on sort of the presentation and the look of it whereas of course metallica dressed in all black and had a very stripped down stage for for years and years and years so you know there's a different attitude about the performance and he makes an allusion to but i'm sure you coy but like he doesn't explicitly say what it is but he talks about the bridge school benefit concerts um, uh -huh. the, the neil young concerts and kind of compares the you know heavily kind of saturated backing track bands that you mentioned before to being up there with just you know an acoustic plugged in or whatever a very basic drum kit and you can hear every buzz and every scrape and you know I actually the British School Coffee obviously they're very good for Metallica and like we have covered them before on the show yeah. check out those episodes but they talk about Neil Young as well and his ranch and you know that sort of they're a little bit on makeup but Rogan keeps pulling back to Napster. And James makes a point that stops people, certainly myself, dead in their tracks. Like, it's just such a good point. He was just saying, like, you know, if you don't pay music-wise, it'll become a hobby. And he doesn't want to see a paramedic, yes. paramedic at his house, like, you know, doing it as a hobby. That's it. That's exactly right. And I, mm -hmm. and I do appreciate him 
uh, talking about it in those terms because, you know, again, as I was saying, you know, artists are professionals and they should be paid for for their work. Um, so uh, I, I totally understand that they need to make, you know, they need to, you know, ways to financially make it work for them. Otherwise, they are going to do something else or they're going to, you know, play to the lowest common denominator of, uh, you know, of, of pop music or, or anything that's going to sell. Whereas, you know, if they have the ability to, to, um, you know, earn money for their talents, you know, it's just like any other, again, just like any other job. Um, you know, I shouldn't exactly like the, the paramedic or if you have a plumber or if you have, um, you know, any other business, um, they should be able to, you know, you know, to yeah. earn it. And, um, cause you can't, yeah, you can't download your, uh, your, your, you know, the plumbing guy. Not yet. The, uh, not yet. Maybe you know, with 3D not... printers in the future, but, uh, but right. yeah, certainly currently they're, uh, you know, pretty extortionate, but yeah, he, um, you know, they talk a little bit about iTunes becoming the new record company, which is, uh, you know, a good point. And, uh, he mentions, you know, we have a movie that bombed, but again, he doesn't say, I'm not saying he's trying to hide something, but it's just kind of interesting that he makes these cursory references and they move on. But he mentions, uh, you know, through the never, which was just reviewed actually with Phil on the channel a few weeks ago, go and check that out. Uh-huh. That was a fun episode. Um, and there's a quite a deliciously ironic moment where Rogan doesn't quite realize his own hypocrisy where, you know, they're speaking about people not willing to pay for anything. And they try and find some information online, Business Insider, and their ad blocker is causing the information <laughs> to not be shown. Uh, and they're not giving the advertisers a little bit of money there. So, uh, yeah, pretty wild. Yeah. Gosh, what what was the specific subject when they were talking about um, when, when the ad blocker came up? What was that again? Yeah, wasn't it um, some sort of making money thing, uh, some sort of retro thing? I can't quite remember what it was actually, but uh, I don't know if they're referring back to Napster. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, and uh, James also makes mention of the Big Four and how you know a lot of them need neck surgery. And Joe goes full Joe and shows a lot of like neck stretching <laughs> devices. That's right. You know that is something about Joe. You know, again, I've listened. I've listened to, you know, many of his podcasts. Uh, again, I, I don't download them uh, regularly, but I, I do find him very interesting in that he, you know, he always has some sort of device or, or a, not a pill, but some sort of medicinal um, item that he has for someone that he wants to hook his guest up with, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, his, whether it's his neck stretcher or or something that he's selling, you know, through uh, through his online you know, merchandise brain. store. I mean, he mentions hooking Hetfield with a Hoyt bow, I think, as well, towards the end. That's oh, that's right, that's right. It's the it's the bow, it's the neck, um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's that neck device. Yeah. Um, you know, I see. I'm sure he's uh, offered uh, C, you know, CBD oil and and oh, yeah. a variety of uh, you know, pills and and uh, uh, medicinal uh, items for um you know, for a variety of his guests, but he always seems to have some sort of, um, uh, you know, sort of health, health uh, additive that um, he's, he's interested in or want, or really wants to talk about. Yeah. The neck stretching spinal decompression sling door thing. So imagine like a push up thing on your door frame. It's kind of similar to that, but it's almost like your noose. It's almost suicidal. Actually, you sort of put it around your neck and, you know, allow it to do its thing. And James actually like kind of uh, makes a little snarky joke as well that Rogan doesn't really respond to where he shows the image. James is a bit dubious. And the guy in the image, you know, it's your t- typical sort of medical journal sort of demonstration. And he's got a terrible shirt on. And James is like, I don't have to wear the shirt, do I? And Rogan just sort of keeps going on with the yoga treatments. And um, James also quotes Tropic Thunder. Like, James has got a little bit of a cultural game at times. Like, um. Yeah. Oh, with the uh, Tropic Thunder. The uh, full retard. Yeah. <laughs> um, that I um I don't know. Tom was that in in the uh, was that in the James episode? I j- he it mentioned was, it was. Yeah, he does mention it. Yeah. Shoot. Uh, I, I missed that, but I. It's also it's funny because I I also listened to the uh, to the episode with um, Robert Downey Jr. and they they got they into do. it in uh, yes, that. that that episode as well which I mean, uh hysterical hysterical movie yeah. and his character in it was uh 
was terrific. Yes, and you, you know oh, he, he mentions that he mentions uh, you know rock stars being a certain level of pomposity that he can't conceive of. Like supposedly the guys in the stones you know have personal decorators on tour that would decorate <laughs> hotel rooms to look I, like they're home that. for a day which uh i mean yeah i i, I want to believe that i want to believe that's true because that's brilliant and um you know he mentions they play a little bit this is this is old school rogan where they play more video clips i say old school it wasn't that long ago but you know nowadays it's not live this is live um you know i, I think for a few reasons, like advertisers get getting brought down because of clips and stuff like that. But um, you know, he talks about playing into Sandman with the Roots and how great of a band they are. I mean, I love the Roots, and you know, I love that clip of Metallica doing Ed Sandman on Fallon. Yeah, and again, that's you know, that's a little more of the traditional media that mm-hmm. they would do to promote their album, and it is fun and it brings out a fun side of the band. And of course, they're all together. And of course, and then you know, when you get James apart, you can find that he's you know he has a lot of depth and he has a lot of yeah. you, you know sort of uh, uh aspects to his personality that you wouldn't necessarily connect to you know the the very public persona of uh you know of james if i if i may go back for a second about uh you know the stones getting their decorator to uh you know to do their hotel rooms when i i was an intern at uh at san at, for a for an indoor soccer team at uh, San Jose Arena, mm. which was uh, when I was there, it was pretty new. And Barbara Streisand did one of the first shows at at the arena. And the rumor going around the the building was that she, you know, her contract writer, you know, had you know had them decorate her dressing room like you know, like her home. And so they went through and they did all this decoration for what her dressing room would look like, um, you know, prior to the show. So that comes through and it, and it makes it believable. Just like the old story about Van Halen, uh, in their contract writer, how they had to, uh, filter out the, the brown M&Ms. Yes. I think that's an old story about those. Which I think they did with good intent though. I think it was to prove that the crews were fastidious with details. Or at least that's right. how they've tried to spin it. And uh, I mean, shout out to Van Halen, by the way. I recently read a book of theirs which detailed their early days on the road, written by their manager, uh, Noel Monk. And they told a great story, actually, of Van Halen's first proper American tour, where they were first support. And I think it was Journey and Boston. And it was like the okay. early 70s or something. And uh-huh. Van Halen had this incredible show, as they always did. They were blowing people out of the water, even then. This is before yeah. the first album's even recorded. But, uh, yeah, they're doing all their songs, tried and tested from Pasadena, etc. And, uh, you know, he, the manager goes in the room, he expects this big party, but everyone's quiet. Everyone's quiet. And the only thing you can see is Steve Perry covered in guacamole, basically. And Eddie Van Halen has tipped a whole jar of, of that avocado sauce over him. And uh, Noel Monk had to take him into the bathroom and, like, dry him off, and he was crying. It's quite sad, actually. It's quite a surreal image of these 70s legends getting in their feelings. But talking of getting in their feelings, um, James is talking about getting sober here. And this is a, you know, a real fantastic section and quite a painful mm-hmm. um, section. He speaks about, you know, final fear being the, you know, the final motivator. And um, he mentions his wife being the invisible kid. Was Was that a nod or...? It it must have been well that you know the song came out uh, a mm-hmm. couple of a couple of years later oh, yeah. and many years and uh, so there must have been connections with you know his wife being the uh, the invisible kid and I it was for him and himself as well I'm sure he felt it because you know again he talked about his his family you know disintegrating he's um, living you know he had to you know end up living with his brother um, again invisible kid about his. Um, you know, his, you know, he got kicked out of his house and all of a sudden the the life and all the sort of the creature comforts he had um, were also sort of discarded when he got uh, kicked out and his, you know, his, his life was turned upside down. But his wife really, um, you know, really forced him to sort of get right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he speaks about all the vices that manifest themselves out there. You know, and it all goes to the core of not knowing who he was, you know, and, and that's a consistent sort of thing, still discovering that. And uh, he gives Moff into Flame a little plug as well. You know, he talks about being yeah. caught up in the rock star. Like, that's that's our new single, like, you know, but uh, he, do, he does it with class. And, uh, you know, it's cool to see him make the link. How long did you have to go for? Uh, well, what worked for me was uh, seven weeks someplace, like 
basically tearing you down to bones, ripping your life apart, anything you thought about yourself or what it was, anything you thought you had, your family, your career, your anything, gone. Strip you down to just, okay, you're born. <laughs> Here's how you were when you were born. You were okay. You're a good, good person. Let's get back to that again. And then they slowly rebuild you. And then I went to uh, uh, another, they call them aftercare places. I went there uh, to a couple different ones. And they fine-tune stuff and get you integrated back into life. Because when you're in this cocoon and you're, you're friggin' raw. I mean, I was raw meat when I came out. And you can see it in that some kind of monster movie. I was pretty raw still. I didn't know what I could or what I should or shouldn't do, you know. Um so the the last place we went to was a place that helps relationships so they got me and my wife together and we'd see people separately and then come together and talk about what we did and communication friggin saved my life saved uh, our family um and working through that stuff he speaks you know they speak a little bit about the ptsd you know transitioning from from world to home and then we get into you know, a final little taste of actual Metallica chat, uh, where James is talking about the 91 Time Warner, you know, we covered it on the show with Dave, actually, go back and check that episode out from early days in the Alpha Metallica archives, but um, he mentions a free concert, he actually misremembers, he forgets Black Crows and ST, and seems to think Motley Crue played, but I mean, he's played millions of legendary shows, I'm not going to hold it against him. Yeah, there was, um, I, I was really big into, into the music, uh, you know, that sort of, uh, hard yeah. rock, uh, hair metal, Metallica, and also Metallica would not include them in hair metal, um, at, at the time. And so there was another, like, a uh, promotion of peace concert, yes. which was like, it was the, it was Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, uh, Gorky Park, uh, was the local connection. Uh -huh. Um, and, uh, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, Skid Row, there was a big show there. And and I don't know if Metallica was included there, but, it was, you know, obviously it was right around the time the the Black Album is coming out and they're, they're an enormous band. And, you know, Russia is just opening up after, you know, the Soviet mm -hmm. Union. Glasnost, yep. And so there's, you know, there were a few shows in that era where it's just, you know, the young people of Russia all of a sudden have this exposure to this great music and there and um you know the outpouring of sort of that was just uh amazing i mean you talked about you know up to what five hundred thousand people at, at the airfield yeah. what a you know insane i can't i can't believe it unbelievable and weird that i think a few months later when trump was inaugurated that image of the airfield went viral again because people were just making comparisons between like Metallica then, Trump then, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, and it is great to see James reminisce over this unbelievable uh, occasion. They mentioned the helicopter as well, and people yelling from it because they didn't understand what moshing was. And uh, you know, a little bit of research me and Dave did back then. I recall like the pr the police were you know especially brutal as well, and some would eventually down their batons and just get in the crowd and enjoy it. But uh, yeah, I think it was pretty authoritarian despite that. And ACDC headlined, of course, but everyone remembers Metallica. I don't think I've even seen the ACDC 91 performance. I love ACDC as well, but I just, it's not really spoken about in, in their annals there. So um, then it goes over into heat, into hunting. Both the guys love hunting and they're both in their bag talking hunting, aren't they? They're like, you can both tell they're quite densely intrigued by it. Right. They're talking about, well, I certainly learned that the uh, bow technology Mm. is um expand is exploding with uh apparently new um <laughs> uh new technology and uh upgrades uh really every year it sounds yeah. like they're uh, advancing as quickly as, as cars and who would have known uh the simple bow has uh, a new you know a, a new twist or new something uh every so often they and they apparently they they like uh various differences between dif different brands um they yeah they certainly got got deep into it and something that uh it was interesting to listen to it was interesting to listen to you know once on a podcast i don't know if i'm gonna go out and you know learn more about bows but uh no. it, was, it was interesting to listen to two guys just talk hunting on on uh, on that level about going out into um you know they uh you know put like deer urine or whatever you know on them the mm. the certain sense and and of course joe 
um, you know, talks about uh, if you're downwind from a deer or, uh, you know, exactly sort of the minutiae of, uh, of, of hunting. Yeah, and they talk about breath as well and that giving off to predators <laughs> and how some guys chew mint leaves and to sort of cleanse their breath of the... Like, you know, it is quite fascinating stuff. And as a long-time Rogan listener, you know, he has probably about 20, 30 things that he loves to talk about, MMA yeah. or, you know, judo yes. or whatever, or politics or whatever. Yeah. And hunting is certainly one of them. And, uh-huh. you know, there can be highs uh, on the deers. Like, I don't really like Cameron Hayes. He's this kind of ultra-conservative guy that he's had on many times. Very passionate about bow hunting, but a bit of a kind of blowhard compared to Stephen Rinella, who's almost this outdoor poet who is this, you know, he, he's a hunter and he has meat eater, I think, on the Discovery Channel or something like that. Um, but yeah, he's awesome as well. So it was cool to see, um, see Rogan like being a little bit more of a comfortable environment. Maybe that's why he's not necessarily the biggest music head. Like he has had a lot of artists on, as I say, and he is interested in music to a certain extent. You know, he says that he liked Hardwired in the gym and stuff like that early on in the episode. But, you know, he's not maybe like me and you are where we can reel off our favorite albums and eras and, and, and stuff like that, you know, and, yeah, uh, for sure. um, yeah. And that's just, uh, you know, we end up pretty much with the idea of the blowback for Glastonbury, which had happened a few years before. Um, James oh, yeah. says it's the ultimate celebration in English hippiedom. Uh, and I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's cool to see Hetfield close this out. Right. Yeah. Have you, have you seen that? I'm sure you've seen that video with yes. all the research that you've done. Did, mm-hmm. did they show it on the on the show? They did I, actually. Know, it, yeah, they did. It, it's funny because uh, you keep talking about the the YouTube clip, and you know what? I've my uh, experience with this pod is I've listened to it several times on uh, on you know through my sure. phone only. So I have I don't have any uh, visuals, but I have seen the Glastonbury, um, you know, where the foxes start mm-hmm. uh, hunting the uh the the hunters and so uh, it is funny that they that they come back to that and that they have the sort of the personalities and the the willingness to do something like that because not all bands would no no certainly not and they would you know they would take themselves a lot more seriously like i think i remember when jay-z actually did something similar where when he headlined in 2007 there was a lot of controversy for whatever reason a rapper you know in on the quote-unquote rock festival or whatever and noel gallagher had said something and he came out of a telecaster or a stratocaster not plugged in and wonderwall playing and just absolutely strumming and like it was it was a great way to lead into it so you know metallica was sort of taking up that charge but um yeah, that kind of concludes the interview we have given you a whistle stop tour here folks i mean I, you know i I'm so sorry. Uh, I was going to say that uh, certainly, you know, with with Joe, where you know, I, I like what you said about um, Joe and and James being able to connect over things that are you know other than music. And Joe is not the, you know, he's not a, a Metallica fan like like we are. And clearly, he likes the music, but I uh, I don't think his deep dives go as far as uh, you know as our deep dives. But they can certainly connect over. You know, clearly Colorado and hunting and some of those other aspects, which is which is good because otherwise I'm not going to hear that, you know, that part of the conversation. And it is nice to get, again, that different side of of the personalities. It is. It it completely is. And just kind of, you know, maybe even Hetfield knew this, like Hetfield could have. You know, obviously gone on any podcast and he you know still will probably go on some but he's not been on mark maron for example which is a little more probing um at times if mark's in the mood for it whereas uh you know rogan is not an easy ride because it's not an interrogation it's an interview but he just you know he won't kind of take you to you know more in-depth places if you don't want to and uh, again we get very little metallica but we still get dad jokes from james um, you know, yeah. Joe Rogan says, "Do you bear hunt?" Uh, and you know, Hetfield's like, "Well, now I wear clothes." Like, <laughs> and uh, everyone's sort of grumpily. You know, the comedian's been out of Fox or whatever. But uh, no, it is a it is a funny little uh, little barb there. And uh, and that's it, guys. So you know, go back and listen to this whole episode. Obviously, you've heard the clips that we've peppered throughout this, but um, it's a terrific episode. It's got three million views just recently. It's clocked over onto that, and I'm sure it's got many, many more downloads. But uh, I know it is one of the more popular sort of Rogan um, musician guys that have been on there, and he's had some fantastic guys uh, on that roster. Like Mark, um, we need to see all the other members on Rogan, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think. 
you know, I, I would love to hear, you know, Lars, I'd love to hear Come Lars on. talk for two hours uh, about a variety of things. And you, <laughs> you, you know, that, uh, you know, Lars would go the full three, I think without, uh, taking a breath because, definitely. uh, you know, he's not shy around a microphone. No, no. And he does his own show. It's electric. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's funny, you know, that's originally how, um, that that's originally looking for, um, Lars is it's electric. That's originally how I found, uh, metal up your podcast because I couldn't find it's electric. Yes. It wasn't available platform. And then obviously through MUYP, I found you. So, um, yeah, it all, went, it all goes back to looking at podcasts and, and, uh, you know, trying to find Lars on a, on a podcast. I'd love to hear him on, uh, on Joe Rogan and the other, and the other guys as well, because you know, what, what do you know about, you know, Kirk or what do you know about, uh, yep. about Robert? Um, and not a whole lot. I'd love to hear, you know, I'm sure Robert has a lot to say about, you know, his influences and, and the other you know, parts of his personality. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you know, they, they would be uh, A-listers in the Pantheon really like Rogan's <laughs> had any old guy on like, you know, so to have those on is an obvious must. I will send you the link. And again, people go listen to Kirk Hammett on Dean Delray's podcast, which was just released in the last couple of weeks uh and they talk about everything and that's a really good exploratory interview um i'm gonna actually google afterwards if rob's been on anything i am interested in that just before we close up at metallica pod um you know i asked you guys what do you think about this episode who are your favorite rogan guests i mean i haven't even mentioned joey diaz yet who is a rogan stalwart who has his own podcast the church what's happening right now that i listen to obsessively i love that show uh stephen ranella that i mentioned before who is the um you know american outdoorsman and historian dan carlin who does an incredible podcast series hardcore histories to do common sense let's listen to you guys uh michael hampton says graham hancock randall colson blow your mind deep purple podcast says dan carlin's incredible can't get enough of his podcasts uh dr Rhonda patrick is my wife birdo says ralph's just saying james 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 ralph i respect that answer but there's a lot more good uh, rogan guests out there everything i know about bees i learned from this interview Freyden says and uh, and finally man like dave says this is a podcast diaz of course joey duncan trussell is a beautiful man stan hope miss pat is always good yeah miss pat is 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 so funny the few jim norton appearances were wonderful bill burr though that's a man who delivers every time i mean mark like podcast for yourself other than rogan like what what do you enjoy listening to uh well i've listened to the adam carolla podcast who's one of the other sort of long time yeah. stalwarts of yeah. uh of the genre so uh adam carolla I listened to uh, a variety of uh, sports and movie uh, podcasts, uh, Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo. And, you know, really, I feel like I, what I did wanted to say is that uh, sort of I felt like the original podcast was the Howard Stern show and yeah. where he would have a, a different um, sort of format where he would talk for a half hour or a full hour. Um, with a guest, you know, before going into, you know, uh, before needing to go into his extended, you know, commercial breaks. And I, and I felt that he was always underrated. I think he's getting that, uh, that, uh, notoriety now, but I always felt that he was an underrated interviewer and that he can make people feel so comfortable. And he asks questions that, uh, that the publicist doesn't want to be answered, but that, you know, after doing hundreds of interviews, you know, a guest is going to want to mm -hmm. talk about, you know, what it's like backstage uh, at a show or what it's like, um, you know, in a variety of situations that, you know, and, and Howard will always sort of tease that and pull that out of a out of a guest. And he was so good at at doing that. So um, I really think Howard was the was the originator sort of this, um, you know, of this format. And uh, I always liked him from the beginning. You know, he. You know, he would get into the uh, the the sexual stuff and and some uh, you know sort of oh, yeah. not gross but like uh, sophomore kind of kind of stuff. But uh, he could also really get a good interview out of someone because he has you know twenty five minutes, forty five minutes to talk to someone and really you know get some good stuff. Uh, yeah, I I like Stern as well. Like I've got into him fairly recently, like probably in the last five six years or so. And I, in no way do I have a grasp on the history or anything like that. But I like Artie Lang especially. And I enjoyed his <laughs> appearances on the show. And I'm a big fan of Artie as well. And just, yeah, like, 
it's funny we mentioned before about like late night and stuff like that but Howard had a lot of good interviews like that like with Conan and stuff that I've listened to Stephen Colbert ones very good as well um but um I mean I'm trying to think who else I'd what other podcasts I want to see the Metallica guys on um it's difficult to say like Rogan is kind of almost the apex like in terms of like the archetypal podcast interview format like there are of loads of other guys doing it no doubt like Marin, like Kevin Pollock, etc. But um, so let us know, you know, guys, if you can think who else you want to see uh, James Kirk, Rob, or Lars on. Um, as always, follow us at MetallicaPod. Get in touch with me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. Um, Patreon, if you enjoy the show, you want to give back to the show, you can uh, help us out there. Leave us a review on iTunes. I mean, Mark, just before we close, um, I know since we last spoke, you attended SM2, right? You went to the second show. That's that's correct. I went to uh, the second show. My um, uh, I was unable to get. I was part of that uh, that cluster uh, trying to get tickets for the first show. Oh. Obviously sold out in uh, five seconds. So, but I did get to go to the second show. Um, it was obviously I I loved it. I had a, I had a great time. Um, my, what I was hell bent on ever since I heard the announcement of the show is that the the glaring missing song from the original SNM was Creeping Death. And I thought it was a, a slam dunk that they were going to, that that was going to be added to the second show. And, uh, you know, I didn't hear it. And I was, you know, I, I don't know about, I was disappointed not to hear it. I love, I you know, I really enjoyed the show, but I was really, really hoping that I would get uh, Creeping Death just because the subject matter and sort of that big sort of kind of a, uh, Armageddon type of um, of uh, topic of it would um, you know would really lend itself to to be with the symphony and I, and I didn't get it so that was a a very minor disappointment um, but uh, overall ter- terrific show you know again one of the highlights is you know everyone singing along to memory remains yeah. and that you know when you have a crowd of people you know eighteen thousand singing along um, without even you know, as the music fades out, it's just so terrific. You know, it's part of partly why I'm obsessed—not obsessed, but I have a huge uh, interest in in English uh, football fan culture. Mm. And it's that singing, and it's and it's that singing and that togetherness. You'll never walk alone. Get. Oh my goodness gracious! I hear songs of that. I hear that. You know, yeah, and I've never you're experienced right. it myself. They don't I, do that in the hearing. NFL, do they? No, you're prompted by the by the video screen Defense! and it tells you, you know, like, de- yeah. that's, ex- oh that's exactly right. And you get the same five, like pump up songs, you know, uh, like uh, uh, here, oh my God, yeah. you hear enter Sandman, you know, near the apex of a, of a certain game, or you hear welcome to the jungle or something like that. And there's a rotation of about 25, like hard rock songs that they just, you know, any arena for any sport, you know, in America. And you don't get that sort of authentic, um, chance, and cheers and songs and new songs that are recreated all the time. It's just so I find it fascinating. And I get just a little bit of that when we sing along, you know, da 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 you know, at the end of Memory Remains, it's uh, you know, or even, you know, in uh, Master of Puppets where do 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 you know, where everyone can yeah. can do that. So I'm off on a tangent, but uh hey, no, that's no, something no. that's uh, it's really enjoy mm-hmm. yeah i've never never considered that that other countries don't sing and it is you know i mean certain clubs are rated on their away fans and their songbook and their ability to rouse but uh but yeah you never walk alone people if you've not seen the cop end in liverpool uh at anfield do that then uh, you should definitely check that out and then maybe check out the rogan podcast <laughs> maybe have that on in the background and uh you know <laughs> Go back and explore that episode and explore Rogan, you know, in general. And uh, check out that Hetfield interview as well that I mentioned before on The Nerdist. I can't remember exactly when it is, but if you, you know, if you Google it, you'll find it with Kirk. And again, I remember they were quite goofy and they didn't really talk about anything. They, you know, if anyone's seen the Hetfield interview where he gets interviewed by that little kid, which is about two or three years ago, where Hetfield talks about like farting on the sofa and stuff like that. Like he didn't really talk about anything. So if you want to go juvenile, then you can find those out, but definitely go to the Rogan one as well. Um, Mark, finally, is there anything you'd like to promote yourself? 
no, nothing, uh, nothing for myself. Uh, I do have. Sorry, I'm going going back again. Hey, so um, one more one more podcast that I'd like to hear uh, James on is Alpha Metallica. How would hey. you how would you interview? Like, I know you've thought about it a uh, hundred times. And, you know, is there a certain subject? Would you, I mean, where would you go? Would, I mean, you, would you expand more on, would you ask more questions about bees? <laughs> That's the thing. I'd be the anti-Rogan. <laughs> I'd ask nothing but Metallica. And if he strayed, then I don't know really. <laughs> like, it's difficult. It'd be very difficult because he's just been spoken to so many times. But if he's just carte blanche and if we can just talk about whatever, I'll probably not talk about the riffs, actually. Um, I don't hear him speak about the compositional mechanics that much explicitly, like how things are made and you uh-huh. know, why certain notes are chosen and the way they end and repeat. So I would quite like to speak to, to that. I'd quite like to speak to his literary interests. Like I'm, I'm like Rogan here. I'm thinking about what I like. What does he like? You know, I can't really speak to him about monster trucks or anything like that. I don't <laughs> think that'd be pretty, very compelling, but um I mean, it'd be great if James did come on, but he didn't go on Metal at your podcast and never said why. <laughs> it's like, dude, what a snub. But I appreciate it, James. And uh, again, go check out James on Rogan. And um, hopefully, maybe James will be on here now. But please, Lars, go on Rogan. I think I'd love to see. I think oh, James, yeah. Joe would be enraptured, as would Jamie, as would all of us watching as well. So, um, yeah, guys, as always, this has been a bit of a weird excursion here. But pretty worthy, I think. This has been a really fun discussion. And as always, if you enjoy the show, go back through the archives, you know, on your podcast player or iTunes or YouTube or whatever, and check out all the old episodes. We've done hundreds of Alpha Metallica episodes. We've been going for many years now. We've just explored the whole back catalogue, front to back, and done lots of these little things like when Hetfield was on Rogan. So, uh, yeah, Patreon, iTunes, leave us a review, all that good stuff. Mark, thanks again for your time. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, I had a great time. Thank you, Tom. (laughs) 